Father, no doubt that your word is the anvil of love. As one Christ sister describes it, we have no ability to love you or others unless we abide in your word. Give us this day our daily bread and may we glorify you and alone with it our God and King. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start off with the book of Luke today in our reading. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 46. And why call you me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Now I want to repeat that last part. The things which I say. So leave that in the back of your mind. Because what does the Lord say? Where do we find what the Lord says? We're going to talk about that here in a second. I saw a post from Torba on Gab. It looks like he quotes a Boniface option. And it says the birth rate in West in the West keeps declining solved in a few easy steps. Government pays women to stay at homes, to be at home moms. Straight married couples with three or more kids who live in the same household pay zero taxes. Ban porn. Make plan B an illegal substance. Whatever plan B is. Ban abortion. End no-fault divorce. Grant full custody, all assets, and child support to the spouse who is the victim of adultery. Well, I would like to add the most important thing, which would be, of course, Christ first. Now, some say stating Christ first is stating the obvious. And I'll say, oh, really? Do you really believe that this is obvious to our culture? Obviously not. How do I know that most so-called Christian churches in America today have become a stench in God's nose? Well, I know this because the government and our enemies no longer respect our churches. Why is this? It's because these same despised churches have sold out Christ our Lord for 30 pieces of silver. This is the same respect that Judas had lost with the religious and political establishments when they said, what is it to us, as he cast back the 30 pieces of silver to them. They lost respect for Judas. They would have had respect for him if he stood by Christ. And it's this love and devotion that becomes an anvil of love. And it's this love for the truth that brings the church to a state of resistance against a culture in these godless antichrist establishments. And this resistance is based on the core principles of faith even unto death. And it's then that the church is respected even by Our enemies, we see this in the life of Daniel. We read this in Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. We read about this peace between the people of God in the establishments today in Genesis chapter 50, 1 through 6. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel. They obeyed a man of God, the establishment. 
physicians of their day, these Egyptians. Goes on in verse 3, And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. When the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up, and bury thy father according as he made thee swear. So here we see that there is a respect between the church and the political establishment. And all I know is, if Christians defended the Bible like the degenerates defend porn, we would not be in the reprobate mess we are in. So keep rejecting Christ, and guess what? You get more of that which is Antichrist, and why I read article headlines today such as, one in five Generation Z adults now say they are LGBTQ, which is a post from Paul Joseph Watson on Infowars.com. It's also why I read people posting posts like, so how do we stop the Marxist takeover of the world? And this is from a chase, a sovereign bra on Twitter. He says, how do we stop the Marcus takeover of the world? The solution is twofold. First, by spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he posts a clip from a late Yuri Bezmenov, who was a former KGB propagandist. He defected to the West. And he explained that Marxism can never overcome a Christian population. Listen to this clip from the late Yuri Beninoff. The most difficult and at the same time the simplest answer to the subversion is to start it here and even before. By bringing back the society to religion, something that you cannot touch and eat and put on yourself, but something that rules society and makes it move and preserve it. All the sophisticated technology and computers will not prevent society from disintegrating and eventually dying out. Have you ever met a person who would sacrifice his life, freedom, for the truth like that? This is truth. But millions sacrifice their life, freedom, comfort, everything for things like God. Like Jesus Christ, it's an honor. Something which is not material moves society and helps it to survive. And the other way around, the moment we turn into two by two is four and make it a guiding principle of our life, our existence, we die. Even though this is true and this we cannot prove. We only can feel and have faith in it. So the answer to ideological subversion, strangely enough, is very simple. You simply have to have faith and prevent subversion. In other words, 
not to be a victim of subversion. Don't strike like that. Strike with the power of your spirit and moral superiority. If you don't have that power, it's high time to develop it. And that's the only answer. It's for this reason that we must expect little from man and everything from Christ. And I will often say and will continue to say, I will fail you, you will fail me, but Jesus will never fail us. Angela Charles Music had encouraged me with a few words yesterday. She says, every time I'm able to catch up on Gospel Podcast, it is so encouraging and strengthening. She says, a thought came to my mind yesterday while listening. She says, sometimes we all need an anvil of love that God uses to convict and stir our hearts away from the wide road. This is how I view Brother Andrew Horville. He is truly living for Christ and being a vessel of obedience and truth despite knowing the response of being an anvil is mostly very unwelcomed. Dropping heavy truths on people's heads out of love. Thankful for you, brother, she says. I'm thankful for you, my Christ sister. I'm thankful for your encouragement. This anvil of love that you speak of is none other than the word of God. And I like your encouraging words so much, I'm entitling this episode, Anvil of Love, number 50. We read a full description concerning this anvil in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Just recently, couldn't find the post again, but I'll give you the, the essence of it. It was from a reverend lady who stated that her Christ was not found even in a holy book. Now the reason that these type of reverence want to discredit this anvil of love I speak about today known as the Word of God is so that they can create their own fictional Jesus but it's in the anvil of the word of God that we find the love of God for God and for our neighbor, a love that transcends everything to include our enemies, that makes peace with our enemies. The people of God, they forgive as they have been forgiven, even when left for dead and sold into slavery by their enemies. Why? Because we understand that the Lord allowed it for our molding, shaping, and humbling of our lives. Also so that we can minister to others unto salvation who have experienced the same things, the same tragedies, the same trials, the same evil that has been brought upon us by this world. Genesis 50 50, 17 through 18, so shall you say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, behold, we be thy servants. They owned their evil they brought upon their brother. And here we see this anvil of love that transcends 
bitterness and hate that our enemies even spew upon us. Verse 20, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as, as it is this day to save much people alive. Why do we respond with the love of Christ? Why do we respond in a manner that is foreign to this world? Because we know that this place is not our home. Dear children of Israel, the church of the living God, I'm here to tell you today that God's visit is near. We will be delivered from this foreign world of Egypt. Our bones will be carried out and raised up within the promised land. Verse 24 through 25, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. And until we arrive to this promised land, every day is a day for kingdom work. Luke 6, 5, and he said unto them, the son, that the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. This is why I don't get bent on a single day, even though we need a day of rest. Every day is sacred when the Lord is with us. He is with me. Therefore, every day is sacred to me and it is ready for his work. Verse 7, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. Why does the religious establishment despise our enduring? Why do they despise our resilience and our loyalty to Christ? Why does this religious establishment hate the power of God? I'll tell you why. Because the power of God is not in their hands. Verse 11, and they were filled with madness and communed one another what they might do to Jesus. Even so, I refuse to chase demons with the bulk of my time and energy. Many stay up all night chasing these demons, but little stay up all night to pray. Verse 12, and it came to pass in those days that he went into the mountains to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. J.T. Barry replies to one of the live notes that I posted on Gab this morning. He says, can I use your posts and share them on other sites? Of course you can, my friend. My work is welcome to be shared wherever you like. And if you want to properly cite my commentary, you can do so by citing my name, Andrew Horville, along with Gospel Podcast, and this should suffice. And thank you for asking. I I am truly honored that you would even desire to share the content that the Lord lays upon my heart. The shell back on Gab says, Jesus prayed to God. Jesus is God. My small mind just can't comprehend that. Well, my friend, there is much mystery enshrined within the Godhead which we know to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one God. But to help you out just a little bit, Jesus is the Son of God who prayed to the Father. 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been conversating for eternity. Pickled Salamander replies, I was not aware that God was a triune before the resurrection. Well, let me help you out as well, my friend. Genesis 126, and it's throughout Scripture that we will, we will find the truth of our triune God. But in Genesis 126, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. So here we see the key words, us and our, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I do believe it is once we are able to comprehend this basic principle of who God is and what God does and what he came to do, that we will begin to understand what kingdom success is because kingdom success is measured all wrong in America. His steadfast love on Gab says, you can see this back in Genesis and throughout the Old Testament. Jesus has always existed, not created. Yes, his steadfast love. Jesus has existed with the Father as the Son of God timelessly. And as for the Son of Man, Jesus, who is the Son of God in the flesh, he was conceived of the Holy Ghost and born of a virgin. Pesky Patriot says, We are finite. We are not supposed to be able to comprehend the Blessed Holy Trinity or the God-Man. Not contradictions, just incomprehensible truth. And I agree with Pesky Patriot. We are given a basic understanding that is a clear understanding to me, but it's also enshrouded with holy mystery. It's beyond our comprehension much like eternity. But let's get back to the success after we have established this basic understanding of who God is. And that success is found in verses 20 through 23, Luke 6. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hang hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep, for you shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice you in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Man of G, a preacher, a fellow preacher on Gab, had posted a little bit of a video clip and thanked the community, the Christ First community, for his recovery from the, from the bioweapon sickness that he had. And he said, you can't bring, you can't, you can't scare me with heaven, is what he said, something like that. And I agree, how can you scare us with these things? For this is our success if we're poor. Our success is to be hungry. Our success is to weep. Our success is to be hated. So you think that you've gotten the victory over us with these things. No, my friend, we have gotten the victory over you. That which is Antichrist. Because I know what my house is built upon. Verse 47 through 49. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom like he is. He is like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the steam beat vehemently upon that house. 
and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and, and the ruin of the house was great. I'm here to tell you, my friends, my house is built upon the rock. I am not that rock, so you don't need to build your house upon me. Build it upon the rock. The rock is big enough to build your own. And this is the anvil of love. Those who build for their own personal platforms and not for the kingdom of God know all about flattery that we read about today. In Job 17, 5, He that speaketh flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children shall fail. They lurk upon platform after platform, looking for a personal platform boost. Now, I myself have no problem encouraging larger platforms, praying for them, encouraging them to be Christ first. But at the same time, I have no problem rebuking these same larger platforms at the expense of my own personal platform. As far as I'm concerned, let it all crumble for the kingdom of God. And this is why I don't even have to necessarily comment on this passage that we read about today in verse 27 through 26. But I say unto you which here love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy cloak coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what think you have? Thank you, you have you. For sinners also do even the same. Even if you lend to them of whom you have hoped to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love you, your enemies, and do good and lend, and hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. You shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. And here we see, my friends, my Christ friends, that empathy goes a long way. And it is this empathy that is never to be confused with sinful compromise. I must remind myself of this empathy often and not forget where I came from. And that is sin. Verse 37 through 38. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again. So again. Even as we instruct even as we re rebuke, we must never forget where we came from. And it's this memory that will always direct our tone accordingly. And it's this memory that becomes the anvil of love. Verse 39 through 42, And he spake a parable unto them, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? 
The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But perceivest not the beam that is in thy own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thy eye, when thy thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thy own eye? Thou hypocrite! Cast out first the beam out of thy own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in the brother's eye. And it's with this attitude, it's with this spirit, it is with this anvil of love that God's people never quit. They never quit. They have a faith that endures to the end, that despite old age and those who mock. Job 17, 1, 2, my breath is corrupt. My days are extinct. The graves are ready for me. Are there not mockers with me? And doth not my eye continue? In their provocation. Just as I pressed stop on the record button for today's message, I saw a post from Angela Charles Music, a profile on Gabba, a sister in Christ, whose name is Angela Charles. She posts, Christ's family need to stay encouraging one another. I was spending time with the Holy Spirit and he showed me this picture I had been taking some notes as I listened to stuff, and I knew I was supposed to share that with you specifically. There are so many tools in Christ's shop, but it was so clear to me that you are called to be an anvil. Christ is your blacksmith, and he's using you to create and sharpen or reshape weapons to be used in this kingdom battle. Not everyone is called to this, but you definitely are. I thought of the cartoons and in the movies where they would drop anvils on people's heads and it made me laugh, but only because I saw the parallel. I had recalled some truth conversations I witnessed between you and some currently lost sheep. Truth catches people off guard and sometimes almost seemingly knocks their heads off, but the result is life-altering and potentially life-saving. I looked up the use for anvil and man... Is it a powerful tool? My friend in Christ, brother Andrew, the anvil, Horville. <laughs> well, but praise, uh, praise the Lord, my sister. This is a, a definitely a blessing and a honoring way to end uh, today's episode. I am, it's clearly from God, the title. And so we give him truly all of, of the glory as the word of God was preached today. And it's this anvil that I pray that will continually be dropped upon the flesh, not only myself, but our Christ first community in this world daily for the honor and the glory of Christ our King, truly Christ first. God's blessing and peace be upon you, my sister. Psalm 50, the mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun into the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him and it shall be very temptuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. 
Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God has judged himself, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving." and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction, and castest my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou contendest with him, and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speaketh against thy neighbor. Thou slanderest thy own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, you that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can. And support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.